0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the church behind the program, how to contact us, and to learn more about the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 5 and 6 called Bear One Another's Burdens.
1: Many have seen Galatians 6.1 as a commentary or a little bit more on Jesus' teaching in Matthew 18. If your brother sins, go to him in private and tell him his fault. Don't talk about him to other people. Go to him. Don't out him on social media. Go to that person and say, can I help? I'm sorry that this happened to you. See, This is what it means to be walking in the spirit. This is what it means to have gentleness. And I would say, if you're gonna do this, brothers and sisters, and we should, wrap everything in prayer. I remember some years ago, we had to approach a brother. This is many, many years ago. I was first in the ministry. And this man was, uh, he was in trouble morally. And he was a leader in our fellowship. And he was not responding to our phone calls. And we were concerned. And we all prayed. And we went to his house uninvited, and he opened the door, and we came in a spirit of gentleness. And we said, look, we're only here because we love you. And we had a couple of hours of talking and tears and prayer, and it wasn't all resolved right there. In fact, as I recollect, it still didn't go well. But we showed up on a mission of gentleness. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, you can see that in Galatians 5, verse 23. It's the Greek word proutes which is another word for meekness. It's power under control. There's a lot that you could say to a fallen soldier, but you need to keep under control and let the spirit say, this is what this person needs right now. And sometimes in that setting, you need to tell them their fault. If they're not getting it, of course you need to say, I'm concerned because this is going on and I love you too much. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Sometimes it's necessary to point it out, but make sure it's bathed in prayer and it's a spirit of gentleness, verse 2. Here's the the title of the message, and here's the the foundation of it all. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 2 focuses on burden bearing, and life can get heavy. The picture is a brother or sister in the Lord that's fallen down under the weight of a sin that blindsided them and knocked them off course. I want you to imagine them still under that weight. They haven't just fallen, they're under the burden of it. They're lying under the weight of it. And Paul is calling us to lift the weight off each other. Romans 1 says, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. This is what Jesus did. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, And in me, you will find rest for your souls. When Jesus made the invitation to people, he said, give me your burden. And people were under the burden of the weight of not even being able to move on the Sabbath day because so much had been added to the law of Moses. The people were frozen. They didn't know what it meant to know God. They didn't know what it meant to experience the love of God largely. They were under a bunch of rules and regulations that determined their standing in the synagogue and in society. Jesus said, of the scribes and Pharisees, they tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders. Matthew 23, 4. But they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. Matthew 23, 4. Sometimes religion puts a heavy load on people. False religion can just add weight to your life. That's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't invite people to himself to put extra burdens on them. He came to remove our burdens. Amen? This is the ministry of the church. We come to remove the weight of sin and death. People are not truly free, but we are free in Christ to bear their burdens. Isaiah 53, the classic prophecy about the Messiah, 4 through 6, just write it down. It says, surely our griefs he himself bore, our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten, of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our our peace was upon him. It fell upon him, and by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus says, if you want to live like me, then you stoop down and you wash each other's feet. Because the greatest among you shall be servant of all. It's an upside down message. It's an upside down kingdom. But it's what our Lord modeled. Think about his earthly ministry. Think about the moments of your New Testament books. Think about the gospel of John. When he goes to the woman at the well, she's been married and divorced five times, a broken and lonely woman. In that culture, you as a woman could not initiate a divorce. Therefore, she was an abandoned woman. He gives her, he tells her about living water. The very next chapter, there's a broken man by the pool of Bethesda and Jesus reaches into his brokenness and raises him up. He reaches into the life of a blind man, born blind, misunderstood by the religious elite. He must've done something wrong. Maybe he sinned in the womb. Jesus says, no, he didn't sin, nor did his parents sin. This has been done that the glory of God might be manifest in his life. How about the woman caught in the act of adultery? Lord, she's been caught in the very act. The law of Moses says, stone her. What do you say? Jesus begins to write in the ground. He who is without sin, throw the first rock at her. They all walk away. Woman, where are your accusers? Lord, there's none. Then neither do I accuse you or condemn you. Go and sin no more. He removed burdens from people. Do you see it? This is what he did. He went around doing good. Yes, did he call people on their sin? Of course he did. Yes, did he confront religious hypocrisy? Of course he did. But he modeled burden bearing. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 5.7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5.7. Psalm 55.22 says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. And Psalm 68.19 says, blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden, the God who is our salvation. Selah, Psalm 68.19. If you want to test your spirituality, And I think we all do. Are you willing to approach somebody who's been caught in a sin and bear their burden? Walk them through the restoration process. It's work, man. It's hard. And sometimes when you do, when you enter into somebody else's pain, you carry their pain. It's part of what the ministry is all about. But what drives us is love. And the way that we should think about this is how would I, if I was the one bleeding by the side of the road and I was the one who had fallen and been blindsided by a sin, how would I want someone to reach their hand down and pick me up? How would I want someone to walk with me if I was the person who fell to the sin? We are not really good at this, brethren. Avoidance sometimes is what we do. We're like those religious leaders who get on the other side of the road so we don't have to deal with it. We don't have to look at it. But Jesus, when he came to the earth, entered into our pain. We were doing a Bible study and one of our brothers, Mark there, sent me this definition he had built from several lexicons of love. And I want you to notice that Paul has coined a phrase here. It's only found one other place in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 9.21, I think is the other verse. And it says, bear one another's burdens and thereby, by doing, you will do what? You'll fulfill the law of Christ. And scholars say that law is love. Love, says brother Mark, building this definition from various lexicons, is the regular orientation of our will to find our joy and delight in another. Because we so cherish and highly esteem and have strong affection for them, we show our love through compassionate acts. This is all a definition of agape, which address what they seem to need. Let me add a layer. Love is adding value, joy, honor, beauty, blessing. It includes taking away burdens and hurts from those that we love. If there is a need for our ear, our back, our heart, our compassion, our time, this is what the law of Christ dictates. The law of Christ is the law of love. An American missionary who was walking down the streets of a Chinese city was greatly interested in the children, many of whom were carrying smaller children upon their backs and managing at the same time to play their games. It's too bad, the American sympathetically said to one little fellow, that you have to carry such a heavy burden. He's no burden, came the quick reply. He's my brother. Well, you are chivalrous to say so, said the man, and he gave the boy some money. When the missionary returned home, he said to his family, a little Chinese boy has taught me the fullest meaning of the words bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. He recounted his interview and added, if a little Chinese boy can carry and care for his brother and refuse to consider him a burden, surely we ought to not to think it a burden to carry our brother, the weak and the needy ones, who look for us, to us for help. Let us rejoice as we carry one another by our actions. And let us say, he's not heavy. He's my brother. I know you're all singing. You were singing it in your head, weren't you? You were waiting for me.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. My plans were for Shane Lance would like to invite you to a night of worship at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. You know, it is so important for us as individual believers, as we are individually seeking Christ, to have times where we can come together to see the name of Jesus Christ exalted and lifted high. I will with a personal testimony. What a great way to just spark a fire in somebody's life again, to show them the, the power that there is in the name of Jesus, the things that God can do, and the way He can change our life. Come and do what only you can do. Anybody is welcome, and maybe you have that friend that you've been trying to get back into church and they've been telling you, oh yeah, you know, I wanna get back to church, but I've had work or I've had this or I've had that. This is a great event to invite that friend to to get them back surrounded with other believers. A night of worship at Living Truth Christian Fellowship this Sunday night at 6 p.m. Visit walkintruth.com for more information or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship
1: app. We'd
0: love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: An American missionary who was walking down the streets of a Chinese city was greatly interested in the children, many of whom were carrying smaller children upon their backs and managing at the same time to play their games. It's too bad, the American sympathetically said to one little fellow, that you have to carry such a heavy burden. He's no burden, came the quick reply. He's my brother. Well, you are chivalrous to say so, said the man, and he gave the boy some money. When the missionary returned home, he said to his family, a little Chinese boy has taught me the fullest meaning of the words bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. He recounted his interview and added, if a little Chinese boy can carry and care for his brother and refuse to consider him a burden, surely we ought not to think it a burden to carry our brother, the weak and the needy ones who look for us to us for help. Let us rejoice as we carry one another by our actions, and let us say, He's not heavy. He's my brother. I know you're all singing. You are singing it in your head, weren't you? You're were waiting for me. God help you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're on the, the back side of these verses. Let's finish it up. Four. The word for links us to six two about the law of Christ and burden bearing. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You know, one of the things that will keep you from burden bearing is conceit. Self-conceit, says one writer, is fatal for burden bearing. It is consumed with self rather than with others, perhaps because the perception is that they're above it all and they could never fall. So what's the problem of this poor soul who fell on their face. Don't they get it? Self-conceit will keep you from burden bearing. Ironically, Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, Hebrews 4.15, because he was in all points tempted like us yet without sin. Jesus made himself nothing to save us, Philippians 2.7. How could we think we're above burden bearing? How could we take an attitude of looking down on someone who fell on their face You know, we automatically make ourselves irrelevant to the ministry the moment that pride floods our lives. It's easy to sit from the sidelines and talk about how the boxer should have ducked when that right hook was coming, how his lips bleeding right there. Shouldn't they clean him up a little bit? Critics are everywhere, and they will be, should the Lord tarry with us for the next thousand years. They sit and nitpick from the stands. But their criticism means very little, because it's the one who enter in, enters into the ring who deserves the credit. How could we think we're above that? We become self-deluded. We are deceived, James 1: 122, because we could become a hearer of the word and not a doer. So what should we do? Well, let each of us, each one, examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting. Now. We see so many verses about not boasting, so what's this about? In regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Well, a lot of scholars have pointed out that uh, maybe this was a comparison game. Maybe people, part of their provoking one another was comparing their deeds, maybe their prowess in the theological circles and all of that. But Witherington points out, let me just read this uh, small chapter. He proposes that with reference to one another does not denote comparison. Instead, what Paul is criticizing in verse four is the all too common practice of boasting about or taking credit for someone else's accomplishments and actions. This would fit with chapter six, verse 13, where the opponents preaching the false gospel boast in the circumcision of the Galatians. Believers will only be able to praise God for the work he has done in their own lives. They will not be able to claim any credit for what God has accomplished in others' what they were doing is they were saying, you see how many people got circumcised because we preached this gospel? And Paul says, you ain't going to get any credit for that. In fact, you're going to lose some rewards for that one. When you stand before the Lord on that day from whom heaven and earth will pass away, do you think that you're going to boast in his presence about this or that? You're not. Now, here's the good news. The passages that teach on the Bema seed of Christ, which include Romans 14 and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, talk about that our rewards will come from the Lord, that our praise will come from Him. It's, the Bema seat is the, uh, in a sports analogy, it's the Olympic judge awarding people, but he's not gonna award you for what other people did. You're gonna bring your own resume before your Lord, amen, who spoke the world into existence. Paul, I think, is just simply correcting the opponents and saying, look, don't think that you're gonna boast in someone else's religious act. Now, the Lord is going to credit us, of course, for reaching people. Of course, they're going to be our crown on that day. I think what Paul is talking about is pretense, thinking that, oh, well, this person over here got circumcised because I taught that Bible study, therefore, I'll boast in them. Paul says, no, that's not the way it's going to be. For each one shall bear his own load. It's been pointed out in verse 5, will bear, shall bear, is future orientation. So let me just... uh, Read this verse, and I think this will help. In fact, why don't you just turn there. Romans 14, let's turn there. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. Romans 14. We'll read verse 4, and then we're going to read 10 through 12. Who are you, Romans 14, for, to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and stand he will, for the Lord is able to make him stand. But you, all the way down to verse 10, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment or beam a seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us shall give an account to himself to God. In our burden bearing, in our loving one another, in our doing what he called us to do, which is to love each other and fulfill the law of Christ. Final story. There was a story I heard about two brothers who were playing in an area that had big piles of wet sand. As these two brothers were playing on a big mound of sand, something like a sinkhole occurred like quicksand. and was created, and both of the brothers quickly slipped down and were trapped, one on top of another. The wet sand was so packed around them that they were rendered immovable. The one brother who was on top of the other was trapped up to his chin. He was just barely high enough to gasp for breath as the wet sand pressed against his body and his chest. After some time, the family came running to the scene and saw the brother barely able to breathe with all the sand compressed around his head. They cried out to him, where's your brother? Where's your brother? He said, he's under me. I'm standing on his shoulders. This is what it means to bear one another's burdens.
0: You're listening to bear one another's burdens part three on walk in truth. And that was the conclusion of pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter five, verse 26 through chapter six, verse five. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program or part one or two, you can listen on the living truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'd like to thank you. If you've given a donation to walk in truth, our mission is to equip you with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and We hope to give you the tools to easily explain the Christian faith to your friends and family and to see how scripture applies to today's issues, trends, and cultures. Your $5, $10, and $20 donations have helped us broadcast on this station and the podcast app you're using too. So actually, to be honest, we're broadcasting on less stations these days, but we hope to change that. But we need more monthly partners to help us grow and to move forward on our mission. Can you become a $10 a month partner? We're looking to the future and knowing you'll be there with us when the time comes to grow is reassuring. So please become a $10 a month partner today. Visit walkintruth.com and click on donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on donate. Now here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, it's hard to believe that it is the 19th anniversary of 9-11. And I think for most of you listening right now, you can remember where you were when that terrible terrorist attack happened in America. And uh, man, it was a heavy time, and we're, here we are about talking about burdens. It's hard to believe it's 19 years ago, and now we look at the U.S., and it's not really about an external attack right now. Frankly, we're destroying ourselves from within. And that is a sobering reality. We're doing it to ourselves. And you know, the Lord wants to take this burden off of us. He wants to be the Lord of your life, the Lord of your church, the Lord of our country. And we got to decide who do we want to follow? You know, 19 years ago, it was about a terrorist attack. Now it's about a country that is hurting and divided and looking often in all the wrong places for hope and solutions. And I know it's a tough time and I know there's a lot of different emotions that go with it, but let me just say this. Our country needs to return to God. Oh, Father, would you pray with me? Help us on this anniversary of 9-11. Help America return to you. Wake your church, Lord. Wake us out of our slumber. Help us not forget how faithful you've been to us the freedoms that we enjoy. Oh, Father, I pray that your church will arise, that will walk in humility and repentance, and that you'll restore this land and revive the church within it. Oh, God, we need your help. And we're not ashamed to say, would you help us, to pray, would you heal us, heal our land? I pray that this virus will finally be eradicated. I pray that the hurting hearts and confusion will be calmed in the truth and love of Christ. And I pray that you would have your way in our nation and especially in the church in our nation. Bring us back to you. Well, uh, next time we're together, next week, Lord willing, we're going to deal with the idea of sowing and reaping. A biblical principle, whatever you sow, That's what you're going to reap. That's coming up on Monday. Would you keep that in prayer? Tell a friend about what you're hearing. Partner with us, if you can, at walkintruth.com. Anything you can give would help us expand. And I'd like to invite you to our Sunday morning services at the great church behind Walk in Truth. It's called Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. Now, we are meeting in person. We have two Sunday morning services 9 and eleven fifteen a.m. The church is located off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue at 1009 Arsenal Way. Think of the armor of God in Corona. 1009 Arsenal Way, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Now, the 9 a.m. service is live streamed, but don't just sip coffee in your PJs. If you can physically be in fellowship and corporate worship, you need to be there. That's what the Bible tells us. Don't forsake that. Now, if you have health concerns and you're trying to, you know, uh, walk carefully because of those concerns, understood. There may be some other reasons understood, but if you can make it, man, it's time for the church to be together, standing together, worshiping the Lord, amen, fellowshipping with one another. And so I I invite you, walkintruth.com, you can get information and directions to Living Truth Christian Fellowship and Corona. 9 and 11, 15 a.m. services. I hope and pray that you will join us either way, whether live, uh, in person or on live stream. Don't forget, it's walkintruth.com. Have a blessed and wonderful weekend and uh, hopefully we'll see you on Sunday. But if not, worship somewhere and we'll see you
0: Monday. God bless. And before you go, please follow Walk in Truth show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'd love to connect with you. And join us Monday as Pastor Michael starts teaching in Galatians chapter 6, 6 through 10, called Sowing and Reaping. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a fantastic weekend. And thanks for listening to Walking Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.